1: I am your host, Erica Lance, my amazing co-host and awesome jersey for something that I don't understand at all is Danielle Orsino. And um, our sponsors today, we have a couple of them. We have Skunk Brothers Spirits, coupon code DWA10. And we also have Coffee Shop of Horrors. So if you Google Coffee Shop of Horrors, you will find one of the most amazing coffee shops. They have all these horror-themed flavors, and they are hysterical. And both of these companies are based in the U.S., and they're like small businesses, and they're awesome. So check them both out. Um, do not forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. We're going to remind you at the end after you've been drinking with us. And then we want drunk reviews. So with that, I will announce our amazing guest, who is J.B. Hillard. Woo! Woo. Welcome Thank on. you very
2: much for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about what we're drinking, because I'm double fisting it again. So um, I poured myself two beverages. Before I started the podcast, and I just go hashtag winning. So this one, <laughs> this one is um, uh, the Skunk Brother Spirits Lightning and Lemonade, and I put that down on the counter, and then I was eating dinner, and then I was like, oh, I forgot I got this elderflowery and rose lemonade, which is super Ooh. fancy. Very bougie. I feel very bougie with this. Yeah. And I put it with um, Devil's, uh, the Devil bathtub gin, and so that's what's in this cup. So, needless to say, Ooh. I have much for this particular podcast. Uh,
2: you have no fear about m- mixing them together? Roll They're them both up alcohols.
1: Wine? If it was a beer and a, <laughs> a okay, no, let's just let's no just <laughs> no. Yes, no no. You know. Enough. I'll survive, or I'll go unconscious after this podcast. One of the two things will happen. It'll be fine either way. It'll be good. Danielle, the goblet is back. What do the you think? The goblet for is us?
0: back. I'm feeling better, so I brought the guy. unicorn goblet is back, and I filled it up with a barefoot. Uh, this is my watermelon. Watermelon friscato back. Back in the goblet. So barefoot, just call us. And I'm wearing an NFL jersey, so barefoot, the official wine of the NFL. You see, I'm, I'm
1: branding right. So barefoot just cough. Just, just
0: well played. It's, it's time. Well played. Barefoot, call us
1: because next time we might screw up the name of the wine. It'll be something yeah, like good. Clawfoot. We'll make it Whitefoot. Whitefoot. Yeah. Whitefoot. Whitefoot.
2: Yeah. There's no chance foot. it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bad, Clubfoot so many bad I could have. Yeah.
1: Start chance. threatening sponsors to mess up their mm-hmm. names. Just kidding. JV, what are you drinking with us?
2: So typically I would be drinking vodka. That's my drink of choice. And and in the summer, mm. you know, that's that's a really nice, smooth thing when you're out golfing or, 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 or you're out at the pool having a Moscow Mule. Uh, but I do like seasonal beers. But tonight I got something special for you guys. It's a, a local local distillery here in Pennsylvania, uh, just outside Ooh. of Pittsburgh, named McLaughlin Distillery. And this is their sexy Mamacita Strawberry Peach Moonshine. and the am oh, thing... running this
0: down. What yeah. is it called? I was going to say, that it sounds is... good
2: mclaughlin distillery and it is the sexy mamacita strawberry peach moonshine and the only thing manly on this entire bottle is the word moonshine uh so outside of that it's and i've had this now my wife loves this stuff it's really good uh and you know i figured you might not have ever had a guest on the show drinking moonshine with you so i'm starting off with my mandalorian cup firing away
1: I love all of the things that are happening right there. So I have a friend, very <laughs> good yeah, friend I was of mine say, who's also an author named Grayson Ace, who lives up in Erie and he gets me chocolate from up there. And there's a wine that he gets me from up there. And now I'm going to be like, I need you to add the moonshine to the list when you yeah. see me.
2: This place is about an hour and change from Erie. And it's about 45 minutes from Pittsburgh. It's like right in the middle. And their wine up there this time of year, that's, it's, it's Ice wine—they basically let the grapes freeze with the first, you know, uh, you know, snow of the season, and that makes it really fruity uh, and uh, rich. Uh, and so, some folks like that; some folks don't. Uh, this, what I found most interesting about this is when we did the tour, they, you know, they took us in the back, and after we got done, and everyone was choosing what moonshine or what whiskey they were buying. Uh, they had these leftover walnuts that they use to—I you know, guess they were using black walnuts of some kind—to heighten the flavor or speed the flavoring of the moonshine and the whiskey. And they kept the the used walnuts in these little, you know, like Ziploc bags. And they said you can take them if you want to. They—they didn't—they couldn't dispose of them, so they were giving them away to people so you can try them. It's like a like a hand snack, or you could bake them in something, and you could smell the grain alcohol through the Ziploc bag, and we took two of them, and we tried, my wife tried to make some, some, some cakes, it was just, it was a really tough, like, you had to, I mean, it was basically grain alcohol soaked into these walnuts for forever, and if it weren't for the novelty of trying it, I would not have had the guts to try it. It was it was really tough, and now it's very popular, and they're they're actually selling them as opposed to giving them away. Where before they were trying to get rid of them, and we were still there when that when they had just opened and gotten it. But the, the the distillery there is really super cool. The guy has a it has a, like a Bigfoot thing out in front, uh, Star Wars stuff. Oh, he has a Snoopy and the Red Baron thing out in front. Like it's just a crate. Like you wouldn't expect that from a like That's a distillery, cool. and the, yeah, and he makes his own barrels. There was a lot of. A lot of fun going and touring it, and it's more fun drinking the drinking the moonshine we'll and the whiskey. Danielle, you know, we're
0: gonna have to
1: reach out to
2: them. I was
0: just gonna Another say, sponsor. They should be a
1: sponsor. Another they sponsor, be a sponsor. Here. Yep. Yeah. Just yep. send me some walnuts, and we'll sponsor you.
2: I, so, I got find finder's fee.
1: <laughs> no problem. No problem. Done no problem. and done. Done and done. Deal. Um, yeah. Fair enough. There is a there is a, a moonshine company in Tennessee. 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 Okay. I can't think of it right now. doesn't matter. They're not sponsoring us. So it doesn't matter if I get the fucking name right. <laughs> they put pickles and cherries and peaches in moonshine and you can get them soaked. So let me just say we've sat at a table and had the moonshine cherries, which you think it's fine because they're like maraschino cherries. We're just yeah. going to eat them. No, that's a fucking terrible idea. Just for the record.
0: <laughs> Be because-
1: it is it is kind of like a cherry bomb god i love cherry bombs i haven't had one of those in a while we should do that sometime on the show anyway but um yeah they were we were sitting there playing like fucking monopoly or trivial pursuit something i don't even remember because i got blackout drunk and you're eating these cherries and you only have like four or five and you think i'm good no you're not good totally freaking screwed sneaks up on you too i'll wait yeah got me a jar of pickles in moonshine they taste like pickles because pickle juice overshadows everything on the planet including
2: moonshine
1: here this is tennessee wow. i don't know they're not sponsors but i'm more oh, let me just say one pickle you are messed up oh. and this is yeah from, this is from two Fister saying that you're gonna get messed up i was just
0: planet. gonna say coming from you that's saying something
2: yeah that's bold that's i don't even know you all that well and i'm telling you right now it, it sounds like it's a bold bold, bold yeah, move yeah it
1: is a bold move cotton and yeah that's my dodgeball reference of the day Yeah, i was just gonna gotcha. say thank you thank you yeah. Yeah. jason bateman is my favorite character in that entire thing i could listen He's, to his
2: dialogue he forever. is great he is he per, he plays that him. that role so well uh i, I that, and that was a Underrated movie, if you can say it that way. I mean, I every if you watch it, I don't know how you don't laugh through it over and over and over. Even though you know what's coming, it's still funny as shit. Like, don't make me bleed bleed my my own blood.
0: blood. Yes, (laughs) I beat you. I
2: beat you. You got me on that one. That is an incredible line.
1: (laughs) Well, it kind of reminds me, we haven't even talked about your writing, but it kind of reminds me of Galaxy Quest because when Galaxy Quest first came out, it almost basically went straight to video if it didn't go straight to video. Like it was marketed terribly. So Mm -hmm. like in the theaters, it would be straight. So I remember a friend of mine this is back when blockbuster existed so we know how many years ago that was yeah, was Jesus. like you you've got to see this movie and we went in and at first i was like tim allen like ugh. not that i'm i i did not like tim allen but tim allen in a space movie i was like this is i have watched that movie more times than i can fucking count and yeah. i still see new stuff in it just the the actual brilliance of the actors and their faces and the little one liners and the little things they say, and dodgeball reminds me of that because a lot of the humor is not, you know, the funny getting hit with balls stuff, which is I can. Anyway, that's yeah. I'm glad we're on an adult podcast. Getting hit with balls. Yeah, you know, we're balls deep in this, Danielle. <laughs> anyway, um, but Idiot Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Joe. it's just a little funny lines like if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball oh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant anyway okay jv before we talk about everything else but you <laughs> again, um that would be new for this show what is it that you write
2: so i like danielle write classical fantasy like i know she's high fantasy i would be recognized as someone who writes epic and or a blend of epic and dark fantasy, um, you know, and, and so my novels, um, you know, focus on a creation of it, of my own realm, which is called the realm of Warminster, and the books are the Warminster saga, which is a four book series, two of them are out and available to the public now, and, and two will be coming out here shortly. I've got one coming up right after the beginning of the new year, and then the the final installment in the series will be released next May of 2023. So, you know, it's it it's coming to a close, but it's been a lot of fun writing it, and we'll see what happens after that, and uh, you know, kind of go from there. But that's that's the kind of stuff I write. But I will say this: since this is a an alcohol show, I yeah. have I have made sure because you know how I, I went right around it. I mean, it's, it's drinking with authors is the name of it. I'm going to talk about alcohol in my novels. I create alcohol. So there's a there's a wine called the. Nectar of the Queen, and it's supposed to have an aphrodisiac sort of effect, and it only grows in a place called uh, Queen's Chapel outside of the capital. Uh, and then, when in Book Two, some of the main characters visit sort of like a, a Norse or, or, or sort of like a Viking stronghold, they have a a beer that they call Hyphenmager, which um, un, it, it, I kind of use the idea of having a worm and in tequila inside this beer, where you get to the bottom of a horn. And there's gravel and sticks in there. And they say that that's where they get the essence of the hyphen marker and the hyphen marker is supposed to, you know, dull pain and incite like a berserker rage and in the barbarians when they go to war. And so, even though it's kind of fun to put those things in there, I think details like that, help uh, make a series and make people like it even more can endear them to certain things but since we're on a drinking show. Instead of me talking about my main characters and instead of me talking about the plot lines, I wanted to talk about the alcohol I put in it. So I don't know if you've ever had that on the show before, but I hope you've had other authors talk about their fake alcohols and what they did when they put them in. No, their I
1: don't think anybody's ever talked about their
0: <laughs> fake alcohols. I have yeah. fake alcohol in my books as well. I have um, yeah. plum sugar, yeah. plum see, I, of
1: wine, and marshmallow. I, I think you guys see, you need to get with this ice wine. Vineyard and get this wine created, my I friend, your label on it. it. Yeah. Like get it <laughs> together. I mean, this is a marketing opportunity ethically. daniel we're talking offline about this because yeah, yeah. Nectar the Queen. T- yeah. Yeah, I have, I'm uh, just a queen. Say, plum sugar and, am- and marshmallow. Yeah. Yep. See, these can be amazing things. I think that's brilliant. And no, nobody's really talked about the alcohol um that they've created in their novels. I think that's great. I was actually. Um, just working on going through a world-building book that's being put out. And it's really interesting because when you think about world-building, there are all these little details you can put, but it's part of what immerses your reader in the story, right? There's one thing if it's, um, they're in it to see if the character succeeds or whatever, right? Or what happens next. Like I write horror, so you can be immersed, but you're being immersed in a very, terrifying hopefully that yeah, dark way, right squeamish kind of situation and i'm not going let me build this world necessarily with all these different races or religions or alcohol or ruling classes or you know all that stuff i m- most of mine is set in the real world and you know that sort of stuff But I think it's amazing when you have little details like that, because I'm quite sure at some point a fan is going to be like, so where do you get the Queen wine? What was it based off of? So was it based off of a particular wine that you drank?
2: No, it was actually based off of the Eerie experience we had on a a winery tour with the ice wine. You know, it's a very, you know, when you have something called the Nectar of the Queen, it almost has sort of, it sounds like mead, uh, like nectar and bee. you get that sort of like honey sound. But I actually based it off of wine because I wanted it to be wine so that it was coming. It was kind of a, um, you know, a uh, an area of the, it was the prettiest area of the kingdom. Uh, and it was something that had been uh, grown. And of course the the grapes are supposed to be tainted a little bit magically or, you know, with whatever kind of fairy dust you want to make up. Uh, and the idea is, is if you drink too much, it becomes an aphrodisiac. But we all know that wine can be its own, Aphrodisia, but this is a special one that only the Royals can get or, or the very uh, wealthy the landed gentry kind of can can afford inside their realm so when someone's drinking it, it's usually something that, that means something. And of course, I use it for two of the characters that I want to help fall in love, fall in love while drinking uh, a bottle of it. you know and on the other side of the Heenmagger stuff, I'd love thick German beer, right like the duppel and the Oktoberfest and things like that, and, and just having that sort of real grainy, gritty taste to them, I think, really helps um, when we're ex- describing that to someone, and what else would Vikings drink except something that sounded like hyphen monger? I mean, it just sounds cool, you know, and so by, I think, sprinkling that in, but getting back to your, your comment on world building, you know, and Galaxy Quest, I mean, Star Trek had sari and brandy, Right, you know, I, I would love to have a bottle of Sarian Brandy, even though it might just be blue water sitting on my shelf in the back. You know, of the bar. they make that. I'd love it. That's what I mean. So, like, if I can, if I could yeah. start doing it in, in Galaxy Quest, I mean, Alan Rickman, I think that's his name, the actor that kind of played the Spock character in that. I he plays it too it's so well, so well. I love that movie too. But you know, I you, even down to those details where you, you know, this is a this is a sorry and brandy you're not allowed to have it you can get in trouble for owning it and here it's like you know introducing that into my world building I thought was not only purposeful because I use it for some of the characters and the situations that are there but I also think it's part of like you said is is as a world build I know Danielle has to do that for her stuff too so you know I'm I'm glad to hear that she's uh you know uh you know gone down that path of making up her own uh her own wines and stuff as well.
1: Well, um, I'm just going to say, I need you to go to that uh, vineyard, and I need you to get the (laughs) the label put on it, and then I need it sent to me, and then we'll talk about it on the show. All those things (laughs) need to
2: happen. Very Um, well, very well, well Mm -hmm. done.
1: Yes, very, uh, you know, it's actually funny, because Skunk Brothers Spirits, how I even got connected up with them, is one of the authors who was on our show, named John Dover, wrote um, uh, Fang in the West. And no, I just said that wrong. That's okay. I've had a little bit to drink. And double uh, Once Upon a Fang t- in the West, that's the name of it. I have a drunk gnome that runs around my head. So every now and then they find parts of post-its or the whole post-it <laughs> I can't wait for them.
0: And they grab.
1: And, and sometimes they grab random shit. And I'm like, I know that's not right. So I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> um, but he um got Skunk Brother Spirits made a whiskey for Once Upon a Fang in the West. It's a corn whiskey that had his book on it like the book cover was on the the whiskey oh how
2: cool is that
1: see I'm telling you you got to make this happen this is a thing
2: taking, I'm taking notes because yeah. I actually think this is a good idea I've had you know it's weird that you say that because in my books I've had people ask me like I've had people send me fan art which I think is really cool mm-hmm. for someone to do that and they're, yep. they're, they're they're making something of a character that they've read or, or a scene that they like uh or whatever and I've been able to like I, like I've, I've created scrolls that I've taken to conventions and the scrolls have different like the, the coats of arms and the heraldric symbols of the realm and, and people like to have those uh, and stuff like that but having the nectar of the Queen in a bottle or some hyphen marker it's not bad I'm t- I you know I might try to find a way to make that happen.
1: I'm just saying if drinking with authors does not get a bottle of each of these things, Danielle <laughs> will find you. And no, she I looks will. pleasant but she can she can be gnarly. Just gonna. No, say I,
2: I I I know she's got some kung fu fighting in her, and I'm not getting in the way of that. That she, is an she,
1: understatement of what she, this she, woman is capable of. Totally my ass completed.
2: from here to Jersey and back. So i I'm, I'm out. So you guys will definitely get a bottle of each. <laughs> I'll send it as soon as I can figure out how to do it. I will send it.
1: I think that's brilliant. So I love this and I love hearing about the fan art. So one question before we have to take a quick break. Have you ever had anybody cosplay your characters to you?
2: Not yet. I've had people offer to do that and they wanted details on it, but I've not seen it yet. Uh, you know, I, I was at a few conventions uh, where, where folks have come up to me and said that they, they wanted to do it. And, and, they, and as Danielle can, can attest to, these are serious people right and 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 they're doing something, and they want their costumes to be perfect. Like I see some of these folks that are Star Wars, Star Trek. I mean there, there is not a detail that goes by that they haven't touched. Uh, and so what I've tried to do is provide them with as much detail as possible. And I've got a bit of a, a comic book illustrator that's working on some things that will help people do that. But I'm not there yet, but I've had my first couple of inquiries about it, and you know, i'm hoping that that happens i was actually at a um, uh, scavenger hunt back in september and one of the groups found out i was going to be part of the the scavenger hunt and it was a, it was a masquerade scavenger hunt and they wanted to come as characters in my novel uh but the theme turned out that it was it was uh you know it was more you had to be a cartoon character to, to come so they came they ended up coming as scooby-doo so it, it was a great i was i was humbled um you know but it went from my characters to scooby-doo so we kind of dropped down a rung but you know hey what am i, I gonna do i don't think
1: that drops down a <laughs> rung i'm telling you rewatch scooby-doo shit now as an adult totally, totally different, different cartoon totally different cartoon <laughs> and when I, we were kids
2: <laughs> i will i'll have to give that a run i'll give it a run
1: yeah i'm just saying that especially the older like 70 80s hanna-barbera ones it's kind of like if you watch spongebob now as an adult versus as a kid yeah it's a it's a different show it's
0: yeah
1: so much i think the supernatural
0: version of scooby-doo when the supernatural guys went into the scooby-doo cartoon yeah that took on a whole that opened up my eyes to a lot a lot yeah
1: yeah that's one of my favorite episodes That and when they walked in on the musical being done about them because I want that to happen eventually. I hope that happens for every author and you know, (laughs) you walk in and somebody's doing a musical about your book. Yeah.
2: Oh dear god.
1: And I want you guys to have the same reaction Dean does at first. (laughs) That's what I want to have happen.
2: I might I might be afraid of that. I may be afraid of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was definitely fear-based
1: in that one but yeah i like well (laughs) we need to take a quick break on that musical note and we'll be right back with drinking with authors you know what now is a good time for it's time for a promo
2: for the cosmic pizza podcast the cosmic pizza podcast you say Hmm, that sounds
1: delicious what is that it's a delicious slice of life in every episode in every episode where we talk about conspiracy theories
2: Cartoons of our childhood. Star Trek quizzes. Movies that we've liked. fundraising raising. General pop culture. Fantasy recasts. But what we don't talk about is pizzas. Right here on the ESO Network.
1: Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Sk- Gunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington based team using their grandfather's prohibition era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Rose Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code ten at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. We're back and during that commercial break, I'm just gonna say JV actually did an entire rendition of what the first musical number will be for his musical. So you guys just reach out to him He's totally willing to do that for you. I I
2: lifted it right out of Rocky Horror Picture Show. So if you guys could think of that, that's where where my head is.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's okay. I did Rocky Horror, like the live cast, the shadow cast, for a combined total of about three and a half years. Two when I was around 17. And then I got back into it again because I think it's fun as hell to do. I just can only take so much of Rocky Cast drama because I'm not that person. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta gonna bail at the right time, now. right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hit the eject bail. button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I enjoyed now. that. Okay, so what got you um, started down this path of writing fantasy novels?
2: Uh, well, two things. It's always been on my bucket list to do. Uh, I started running at a very young age, and my uncle. was paralyzed in the war my mom was his nurse and he lived with us and my grandparents when i was growing up so he was like a second father to me and there was a lot of limitations to what he could do as a quadriplegic and you know there were two things that he could do that i started to pick up alongside him one was playing dungeons and dragons which is right in line with my you know my genre you know it's a it's it's basically a game for folks that love fantasy adventure um, and that was a form of escapism for him and another form of escapism from his condition was was um, you know you know writing you know he could be anybody he wanted when he wrote so he like you you know, wrote a lot of horror stuff so like a lot of you know like Hotel California really kind of scary Stephen King shining stuff but he wrote my primarily serials and short stories for pulp fiction and magazines and stuff like that back in the day um, but as you know a 10 year old i just wanted to emulate what he was doing and I found out I had a sort of a talent for it but you know in my day job which is I, I do lobbying in DC for defense and technology companies you know that's a whole different ball game like I you you you, you want to talk about two different worlds Whoa. colliding never you know that's it right like if I told people during my day job that I'm a, I'm a fantasy author at night and on the weekends it would they, they wouldn't know what to do they would think author all right he's writing some sort of Biographical Spine piece novel. or some historical thing, yeah, exactly. And instead, it's like I've got this whole other crazy brain side of me that you know that uh, that encompasses that. But I never had a chance uh, to do that until the pandemic. And when the pandemic hit, you know, my wife wagged her finger at me and she said, "Uh, uh-uh, you're not going to sit around doing nothing for eighteen months while everything is closed. Find something to do." And I'm too much of a busybody not to do anything. And I found this as an opportunity to write that first novel which became a series and then as it got published there was a demand for a fourth book um you know in the series and some other things that are going to spin off of that hopefully knock on wood you know and so it for me it was taking a check off the bucket list uh and then really learning that this is a this might be a great sec like a back nine for my career I mean if I could retire into doing just this it would be a lot of fun uh and I'm hoping to make that happen I mean this is this is great. I get to be with my people, you know, and all, all my other fellow nerds and, you know, folks that play Dungeons and Dragons for 20 years. And, and so that's how I got started. And that's sort of where the books came from. It just took me 20 years to get there.
1: No, I, I love it. If you, if, if you listen to the show ever, people know I was a D&D nerd. I was a female D&D nerd. One, before you could really find those. Because I think a lot of people... <laughs> Now, don't realize that female nerds were like a, a, a rare commodity back in the 80s and early 90s. Like, that wasn't a thing. You didn't find mm. a lot of them. And especially ones that knew how to play D&D and weren't just somebody's girlfriend or significant other that they brought along that got a, you know, like a fairy character handed to them.
0: Yeah, so,
2: here's an NPC for you. And they played because they were trying to fit in, right? Yeah. No, I get yeah. you. I get you.
1: So and good for no, you. Yeah, no, I, I I absolutely love it. And I love that you found your people. But I, I didn't love it when you said you have four books, and you don't know what happens after that. Why the fuck don't you know what happens after that?
2: Well, I, I have a plan, right? So I, I, as 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 a, a stereotypical died in the wool, blood in the stone plotter, I always have a plan. Like there's always the next. But you know, I have this it's it's the strange thing that's happened is I've be, I've been meeting, when I go to, to book signings or I'm at a library or, or a bookstore or at a convention, I've gotten a lot of people asking me to do something for characters, or specifically like origin stories of characters that they're not seeing, that they won't see, that they want to know more about and where they came from. And some of these characters are kind of minor characters in many respects, either, you know, comic relief or they're seriously the bad guy. And there are details that are dropped about them in the, in the novels, but I've gotten people coming up to me and saying, we want to see some of that. So what I may end up doing is drop away from doing epic fantasy. And while I'm writing that stuff in the background, have a couple of novellas for origin stories for some of the more popular characters and let that kind of bleed out there for a little bit while the other stuff is coming together. And then as that, you know, you know, kind of, filling that void then come out with the next series but a lot of that depends on whether or not my publisher still wants to to work with me when this is done i think she does or else we wouldn't have added a fourth book already uh but you know i also think that um it would be fun uh to break that and i have i've had people ask me about writing fan fiction uh and you know allowing someone to maybe write along me giving them direction and seeing what comes from that and i'm also uh, steeped in um uh, I'm working right now with, I've licensed my intellectual property from my novels to a video game company that's making a uh, augmented reality, virtual reality video game from them. I've actually asked Danielle uh, to offer us one of her characters from her novels so that we can cross promote one another. And I've got it cleared from the CEO of the company. So, you know, that way you'll see a lot of from her Faye series Uh, as well and you know there might be a little bit more of that I mean with this you know this will be you know a lot of fun and and I'm going to be involved in that and storyboarding uh, for the games so I I, there's only one of me you know (laughs) yeah I gotta pace that out pretty well and I don't want to get burned out either so lots of irons in the fire
1: I will say if your end game is what your end game is though and Danielle will attest to how I approach these things you have to treat it that way. And the novellas are a brilliant idea. And even if your publisher doesn't pick them up, reach out to us, because I'll give you all the ways you can go about that. But um, I think novellas are brilliant. And I encourage my authors to write them all the time. Danielle will tell you that because there's all these little side characters that people fall in love with for for whatever weird reason. I jokingly call them the Bob, the... Um. Bob the Barista with you use this <laughs> a plot point and everybody's like, tell me everything about Bob. And
0: like,
1: <laughs> who? And then you have yeah. to go control find Bob the Barista to find out what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. But well, I well, think Daniel's, it's important.
2: Danielle's heard this before because we've been on other shows together. But you know, I have two two characters in particular that I get the most sort of fan interaction with uh one is uh, uh a hobbit on steroids he's a he's a berserker mm-hmm. hobbit named blue connie and he's got this big blue face ta- like mike tyson face tattoo that hides his eyes it looks like a raccoon and he's the comic relief guy like he comes in and gets the characters drunk or he'll do the stupid thing and also jump at an enemy he shouldn't be attacking and all that other kind of fun stuff and he rides a war dog that's also insane that drinks beer with him and like it's like and people are like, we want the backstory on Blue Con. We know, we have to know. The other one is a little bit more serious, which is kind of like the assassin in the novels. This guy in Canis Drew Waith, who's a Bone Elf, and he's an asshole. Like, it, there's but no way him. you're gonna like. Him. But they do. That's right. And and I had one person tell me that please don't kill him. He's your Boba Fett. You no,
1: know? He, and you someone- know what he is? Is he's your Drizin.
2: Yeah, well, when 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 you hear something like that, well, he's the opposite of that. I mean, he's just a total jerk.
1: But do right? did you remember Drizzt from the first book? Does anybody remember Drizzt from the first oh. book? He, he wasn't yeah. the greatest, sweetest character in the entire world. He, yeah. was, he was a dark elf. Right? Oh, he was
2: a dark elf. And that's my, of all of the Salvatore uh, novels uh, in that series, or 38 of whatever they are, the Dark Elf trilogy is still my favorite because it's the origin story, right? It it gets to the mm-hmm. heart of it. And you see him from birth to when he finally gets into the Forgotten Realms and, and comes to the surface and what he has to do just to survive and how he's become, he and Zactophane and and every, like that whole journey is exactly what I think people are looking for in Drew Waith. And in my case, in in book three, then I've, because of this sort of like, interest in him a lot of book three is seen through his point of view like I I have you know I have multiple points of view characters in my novels because it's epic fantasy of course you do but uh you know in this case I I hadn't before and now I see the opportunity to kind of weave him into that position and there's a little bit of his orange origin story in the prologue and I just drop in there and then people will say oh I get why he is who he is now and before he was just you know the bad guy that's chasing down the good guys, uh, and so I I like him as a character, but you know now I'm writing a novella. I mean, it's just it's just hard. you know yeah. I don't I didn't expect to go down that path, and your readership takes you down those paths, and you know mm-hmm. th- what's popular and like you said it's it's the it's the Bob the barista for me. I I, I said you what? It's my boba what? My boba, boba fett. You know, and I was like this guy's an asshole, and then I'm like oh yeah well boba fett was kind of an asshole you know they I mean? did so like i get it
1: <laughs> yeah we could get started in the whole controversy where i am less than pleased with what they did with boba fett in the series oh
2: ridiculous so it's
1: not no, no. Not, that's
2: that's we're not allowed to talk about that
1: uh, i will go into a black outrage about that particular situation <laughs> because boba fett was one of my favorite characters in the yeah and i was like boba fett series i was so excited for it and then i was like Okay, what the fuck happened
2: here? Yeah. Well, pre- yeah. Preach on, sister. I'm with you. It went so... The best two the best two episodes in all of the Boba Fett series were the last two because it basically came became a Mandalorian show. Like, they, they, they had to abandon it. It was so bad. just and so, I, guess, and I don't think... Obi-Wan wasn't much better. I well, mean, I hate I, the point fingers. Say, wasn't much better.
1: Obi-Wan, though, the character... As we're having Star Trek. Obi-Wan, the character, I have to stay stay pretty true (laughs) to the way they brought that character on. Like, Obi-Wan was never, like, a strong, he was, he had his, like, kind of wussy self-sacrificing points most of the movies. Like, even in the first Star Trek movie, I'm Star Trek, oh my god, Star Wars movie, he was very kind of like.
2: That's two minutes in the box for that one. Yeah. yeah no no <laughs> double um,
0: then you get it
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly moonshine though exactly. <laughs> oh. this is moonshine the lightning is moonshine this, this is gonna okay.
2: go off the rails real quick here
1: <laughs> it, got, yeah. it does welcome to my podcast <laughs> um, but the first movie that's what he was like he was kind of self-sacrificing he was not Like this, like, you know, I'm going to be this hero, blah, blah, blah. He was like, okay, I'm going to have to do this thing. I'm going to sacrifice myself. Like he wasn't the go-getter. So you can, I liked the way it was done. I actually, I mean, it wasn't as good as the Mandalorian, but that bar was set pretty high. They did such a good job on the writing of that particular show that the bar was set pretty high. when they went in to do these others and I went this little Leia thing, I thought that was adorable i thought she was a great little actress and oh yeah yeah i just thought okay this is cute because i was like what the fuck are they gonna do with obi-wan he went to a planet to hide and watch luke that could just get creepy that's like a sorry for a pedophiles what the fuck that's set up to be mm-hmm. like <laughs> creepy old weird uncle ben spying on me all the
0: time <laughs> like, yep how you doing I, kid Yeah,
2: but I, I don't, I'm not going to cast aspersions on it because I can tell you like it, but I'm certain as someone that seems to be, I mean, we're all friends here. We're all Star Wars fans, right? There were Mm -hmm. so many holes in that series that you could just poke into it that I, I won't do it. And I don't want to be a spoiler alert guy here for people that haven't seen it. But, you know, ultimately
1: that's okay i actually consider part. that zombie george lucas ended up writing episodes one two and three and i just pretend they don't exist so i'm that <laughs> star wars fan like yeah. i watched the documentary the people versus george lucas and that's me that i'm, yeah. I'm solidly one of those fans
2: well okay. i i i okay so like the jar jar Banks thing is just off the reservation i have no idea what's going on with that but as I rewatched 1, 2, and 3 because of my disappointment in 7, 8, and 9, <laughs> they're not as bad. They're not good, but they're not as bad either, you know. And, of course, I, you know, the Mando was just so well done, so well written, so well acted. And then mm-hmm. Boba Fett falls flat. For me, uh, you know, Obi-Wan falls flat for a lot of reasons. And then I'm, I'm just watching Andor now, so I haven't gotten through it but i'm hoping that's better yeah.
1: i i didn't yeah. watch it i will say four five and six movies and then
2: rogue one rogue Ah, uh, there you go see that's why I'm, I'm not afraid of andor because that to me the rogue one movie for me was it was it was a war movie it wasn't it was wasn't even like star warsy there were no skywalkers no darth vaders really you know until the the very very end but like it got you it got you like you're, you're I'm in the world but I'm not I'm watching yeah. this very important scene that was set up that was just mentioned in four in passing it's like these people sacrifice their lives to, bath us this on
1: to bring us. yeah,
2: yeah exactly yeah. and it's like bam that hits you in the face and then here is this two plus hour story that's done so well that you're like oh this is great and I and and then I think that you know it's the same kind of disappointment I had in the Han Solo movie, and
1: watch this. how I going to bring this back to writing because we talked about this on the <laughs> show. I don't remember if it was you, Danielle, or Chelsea. So, what I think they did with Star Wars, which, um, and it's this is all going to tie together, I promise. Come on this journey with me, everybody. Is I'm
2: listening,
1: they made the fatal mistake in the very first movie of not doing a, a, something that seems very challenging. But it's not world ending. So the thing about the way they wrote the first movie was they
0: oh yes we did sort talk of blew up. their yep. load.
1: Look, I'm going to make that mm-hmm. reference it goes back to the dodgeball thing. They because they th- this is this huge thing that they did. The problem when you do that though is that you there's nowhere to fucking go. Like you yep. can't go anywhere if you have the main. So you don't have even if you have the main bad guy or whatever in your first book. They can't either be the true main bad guy or you have to put other things in front of it that is the difficulty they get into in the book. So unfortunately, Star Wars, when he made it, regardless of what he says, he wasn't thinking Empire Jedi because nobody knew what the fuck this movie was. He barely got any funding for it. And it kind of came out when people were like, because I was alive when it came out. People were like, what the... What the fuck is this? Like they didn't know. And then it got this huge fan thing that happened and they made the other movies, but every fucking movie is them blowing up a ball. That's what it is. Every movie is them blowing up a ball. And I go, you, it's just a different ball put in a different package, but it's still a fucking ball. Right. And you go, um, that's bad writing. That, that's bad writing. You could have done something different. Where to your novelette point, Rogue One is a novelette. It's a little side character. Many Bothans died to bring us this news. No, all of the motherfucking Bothans died to bring back. <laughs> you back. You stated yeah. it, Admiral. Like yeah. all the fucking Bothans yeah. died, besides the five that weren't on that fucking planet, right? <laughs> and, and so that was, that's like a novelette. It's a little something about this little character that no. To the boffins
2: To the Bothans. To the Bothans.
1: To the Bothans. To the Bothans but it's it's kind of a testament to writing yourself out of a corner because if you write yourself into a corner like that where the fuck do you go where do you go with it you got to always leave yourself a way out yeah you You have to have a a door door. and if you even if you're not sure if you're going to write it into a series you have to have a doorway you have to empire strikes back that shit have something in but empire strikes back it so you can go on to the next thing whatever the hell it is and not fucking stuffed teddy bears. Those really should have been fucking. Oh, so bad. But don't get me started on that either. Um. <laughs> so anyway, I think it's it Star Wars is a very interesting analogy to that, and but it goes to Boba Fett, who's this bounty hunter who literally bring the body of Han Solo to Jabba the Hut. Like that is that guy's entire fucking character plot line. Nothing else. There's no backstory written into it at the time. Bring the fucking body to Java the Hutt. And everybody is like, Boba, motherfucking pet. I want to be a Mandalore.
2: <laughs> oh, his, well, his carrot. He like was his Bob character- the Barista.
0: Before there was he- Bob the Barista, it was Boba yeah. Fett.
2: Well said. Well said. And I will, you know, look, there's something to be said about him having badass armor and looking like a badass, having a really unique ship in Slave One or whatever the hell they're calling it now. And the thing flying off, I, I, to me as a kid watching that, you fall in love with that because he is, outside of Vader, he's the badass. Like he's the other, yeah. but he's the guy that that was that tricked Han Solo, the the you know the smuggler of all smugglers who followed him in in the garbage trail and caught up to him anyway and got him, uh, and and that kind of stuff. Then you're like, all right, I could cheer for this guy. I really I really get it. Uh, and I I always just thought he was just he looked cool as shit in that armor it's like if I had to was, pick someone to be yeah
1: think about it as a writer somebody needs to take Han Solo and Kryptonite to Jabba the Hutt we're gonna have a dude in armor and you don't see his face we're gonna call him Boba Fett and he 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 shows up I'm sure if you looked at those scripts he shows up for like less than a fucking page combined oh, no, even that. I think he has like one line
2: he might have had one line in Empire you know what I mean, and I'm not kidding. I think he has one line in Empire. He
1: does. He has one line where you know Darth Vader says to him about, "As soon as he comes in, you can take him." Blah blah blah. He's yours. Yep. Yeah. Imagine and getting I mean, cast in that role, and you're just like, "Yeah, like, okay.
0: you know, That that dude, dude made thing. bank.
2: He made bank for the rest of his life. It's like going to my nerdathons and my geek conventions. Like, you'd say, like, "Oh, I'll sign." You don't even know who the hell he is. You have to stand next to his helmet. So you know who he was. That is that's a lucky
0: motherfucker. That dude that is Bob the barista, though. <laughs> he exactly. He's out. Bob the Barista. Before there's Bob the Barista, there's Boba Fett. Like, <laughs> so
1: when your people are asking you to write about these Bob the Barista characters, <laughs> what they're saying is write about Boba Fett.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, I'm t- I'm listening. I'm listening I am listening to my readership They said they wanted more of Blue Connie and they wanted more of um, in canister ways and they're, they're getting them whether they like it or not now so that's the plan that's a little bit of a that that'll give me a respite between epic fantasies and still get into some of these side characters and then the second rung of the series will will go because you know book four is already done like I know it's in editing so I know what's going to to happen with that and like you guys said you have to leave yourself a trap door you know and some of those characters there will be trap. some might not be as obvious but You know, I know that the way book four ends, people are going to be looking for trapdoors for a couple of people. So I got to I got to make sure that they're there in the event. Yeah, that I want to have a call back, uh, you know, in a future series. Um, And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. So that's that's my plan.
1: I like your plan. I think you've got a good plan and you have the right head for your plan. As a Boba Fett fan, I know you have the right head for your plan. (laughs) movie.
0: Thank if you, you very said much.
1: Jar Jar was your favorite character I probably would have ended. In oh dear God. No, we be talking about a
2: different like I have I have a I have a friend who claims he's he's like a fucking Sith lord or some shit. Like I it is the dumbest thing and he will he he shows me these videos, these fan videos about how Jar Jar is always around when badge hat I'm like, dude, no. If Jar Jar is a Sith lord fuck It, I'm not doing. I'm not watching.
1: Have you anything. seen the <laughs> George Lucas documentary?
2: No, but I know what it is. No, but <laughs> yeah, if you watch perfect. it,
1: it literally talks about what George Lucas said about Jar Jar Biggs. It's not Sith Lord. He literally wanted this playful character that was supposed to be the new C3PO. And in the second movie, after the reviews came in for the first movie, there is a scene where Jar Jar literally turns and just glares at the camera and then turns off, which was George (laughs) Lucas's fuck you, I'm going (laughs) to take a bigger role in this
2: one. (laughs) Oh no, he's just so, so bad. I mean, in in the whole like Jamaican accent and the i don't know what the fuck was going on
1: with that. no that, george lucas of, instead of writing with a group of people decided to hold himself up and lucas ranch and write this all himself that's what the fuck
0: happened then again oh. he has lucas Ranch. he is skywalker ranch
2: yeah i i don't have skywalker ranch i so. don't, I don't have, have
0: a ranch yet i don't have the veil
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: but but when soon I... you look yeah sons of
2: bitches yeah right <laughs>
1: And I expect there, Danielle, to be booby traps all over your ranch. Oh, there'll be a moat. Yes. There'll be a moat. There'll, there'll oh, be a moat. I'm going to need moats. I'm going to need them to be filled with duck-filled platypuses. Those are fucking dangerous creatures. People yep. think they're cute. I got the,
0: I the got whole fuck? thing planned out. I got yeah. the whole thing planned out. Don't worry about it. It's, it's all good. Did you know
1: duck-filled <laughs> platypuses have the most painful bite on the planet?
2: Oh, no. We're yeah. not going down this.
0: <laughs> yes, we are. David, we my world
1: if you don't believe me look it up they literally cannot give you I, enough morphine to dull the pain without killing you
2: i don't i don't i never plan on fighting a duck
1: well i wouldn't if so, i was you it would end badly okay lose. I, <laughs> um danielle i'd like you yes. to ask jb because obviously I'm doing really well on this show. So I think, I think you've
0: asked him everything that we could possibly ask him. But <laughs> sure, I can. I...
1: <laughs> Obviously, he's not ready himself for a duck billed platypus encounter. So I have no further mm-hmm. questions for this episode. Daniel was was say, ask are you, the final question. <laughs> are you going to like,
0: <laughs> you out? You know, that kind of thing. I would like to know if being that you're you're a fantasy lover such as myself um are there any cartoons that you felt um influenced your fantasy world you know like that going back the dragon's to the old cartoon. what you know so, I, I was well, thinking more like thundercats he-man that kind of like the old school ones versus ran. you know the yeah, dragon's
1: Dungeon cartoon is old school what the hell are you talking about it on the same I, yeah but that's an obvious right. one i was i'm trying
0: I'm trying not to be so stereotypical and just assume Dungeons and Dragons, but you know what? Keep double fisted, Erica. Like we're having we're having a conversation here. Thank
2: you. <laughs> we well, I would say Thundar the Barbarian. Uh, I like Thundar. Okay. Uh the, the Sun Sword I thought was a really cool thing. And I realized that they kind of combined both sci-fi and fantasy with that, with Ukla Aerial Ride. And uh, and it was yep. sort of like that Dystopian. whole Konar the yeah, the barbarian sort of you know, era that, you know, and it was like in the same way He-Man came out in a, a very different way, it came out, um, you know, from, you know, that that era as well, but Thundar, I watched, uh, Space Ghost, I watched, um, and Space Ghost had its funny moments in there too, and I, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, I enjoyed, I watched it as a child, but influenced now, I, I really thought that all in all, it was, you know, pretty basic, um, you know, and even though the the concept of the kids kind of at the amusement park falling into this world and trying to get back out was it was okay just for you know the sake you know you're 10 years old and you're watching that that's a, that's a lot of fun um, but I think that you know from an influence perspective you know Thundar would be probably at at the at the top of the list because I enjoyed most of those those episodes and I don't think they get as much play as some of the more popular ones and I'm, I'm a big comic book guy too so I've always mm-hmm. like the And and video, I'm a a big gamer. So like Castlevania, I think I I steal some of my, my, yeah, my dark fantasy Mm -hmm. stuff comes from that Castlevania roots. I love anything that has a vampire or the gothic. I just, I'll I'll eat that up. Um, And so I I like that as a game. Um, The the other video games that, you know, uh, know, I played at the time, if you go back and I take a look, Gauntlet was another one that I I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed, which is more of a... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like an arc, like an arcade game and stuff like that. But, you know, I I think that, you know, from a cartoon perspective, those were probably it. And of course I had, I was in the hospital, uh, in the first grade for an extended period with, uh, like a bone infection. It was a really bad situation. And I had the opportunity to watch like the old school Hobbit cartoon, uh, which really turned me on. And I think what they did there was they had it live cast it and then laid a cartoon on top of it so the characters looked like they were really moving and stuff and i i got to see sort of like the you know the battle the armies with the with the dwarves and the orcs and the and the elves and and how you know bilbo sort of survived that and i that really turned me on to it but that that's you want to talk about really old school and then my favorite 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 cartoon of all time is robotech harmony gold had this You know, yeah. thing, and I love that Japanimation stuff that they were doing with it. I still have that that set. I've watched all four of the series, with the Generation mm-hmm. One still being my favorite. The Invid one on, on on the third one was pretty decent, but like Rick Hunter, like Roy Foker from that is my Arjun Ezekiel in in the novel. Mm-hmm. In fact, I based Arjun after Roy Foker, uh, and then you know, like Lin Min May and, and the whole. Yeah, I just love the the drama of it. Uh, and I thought it was really well done. Uh, and, you know, at that point, it was one of the first cartoons that I had seen that actually had drama behind it. It was more of a series as opposed to episodic, like a Scooby-Doo, where you're like, hey, we're going to the haunted amusement park, and then we're going to go to the, you know, the whatever's next. This was like, it's pulling you through this soap opera of this space invasion. And, you know, you get to see these fighter planes going into outer space. And what, what like 16-year-old boy is not gonna like that shit? So I was I was yeah. all about that. And I and that's the one where I can really point to and say Roy Foker equals Arjun Ezekiel Cause I, I got my inspiration from him for that. And of course, I stole a little bit with Lin Min May, Anokie, who's his love interest, even though in Robotech Min Min May is like a Rick Hunter, that's his mm-hmm. sort of like foil there. Um, you know, or not foil, uh, that's his his girlfriend. In this case, I flip-flopped it and made her for my Roy Foker in the novel. So there's a little bit of that stuff in there, too. And that's my homage to the Robotech stuff.
0: Very cool. Yeah, Love it.
1: Okay. Um, I will have to talk about movies like that because I would think movies like Crow and stuff like that influenced back then. That's a very underrated movie. I love Crow. Oh.
2: Yeah. yeah i don't know if you guys have seen ready player one but i think oh, i was oh,
1: the
2: yep. i was the only person in the theater that knew at the end of the movie when the kid pulls out the glaive and throws it at uh, the mm-hmm. character chops off his arm to save him from shooting despise him just enough time mm-hmm. i think i was the only person in the movie that got that easter egg i was like i'm i'm screaming i'm like oh my sh- holy shit, it's crawl and to this day i mean there are legit actors in that movie. Like that movie, they, I still had the, like they, they mm-hmm. had board games of Crawl. You know what I mean? I, I got a mm-hmm. board game of Crawl for like, I don't know, my 12th birthday or whatever. My 10th birthday, maybe. No, nah, it's was probably 12. Um, that, that came out. And I every now and then it pops up on HBO and I'll, and I'll watch it like 3 a.m. You know, when I'm up yeah. doing nothing, you know? But that movie was, I, I, I enjoyed that. I There's a lot of those kind of things that you look back now and you're like, what the fuck, like I hawk the Slayer. Like, I watched Hawk the Slayer so many times. I, I literally could, it was like Conan the Barbarian. Like, I could I could sit here, you know, and between the times when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the Sons of Arias, there was an age undreamed of. I could go on. Like, I literally <laughs> had that movie memorized. Uh, and so yeah. if we're going into movies, those are a handful of those that I love. And Hawk the Slayer stunk. I mean, Jack Palance was in it, and he was he was good. But the, the idea behind it just brought, it was like one of those very few, um, uh, you know, m- movies at that time that like kind of drifted into the, the, the fantasy adventure stuff. And so, of course, I was going to eat that up as best I could. So, Hawk the Slayer. <laughs>
1: okay, we do have to wrap up here this episode in a minute, but I do think, you know, talking to do fantasy authors like you guys. Like, I look back at that time period, because I got that reference, when I was watching Runner play, run out, like, I got the holy hand, like, there's a lot of references that I was saying, and then I, you know, my boyfriend, who happens to be younger than me, I was like, ah, and I'd say it, and he's like, you, what the hell is wrong with you? And I'm like, you don't understand, there's this, and there's this, and there's this, like, yep, like, total nerd dumb. but, like, you look back at that time, you had Conan, which was a fantasy movie, right? But you had Lady Hawk, you had the Beastmaster. Yes. Like, there actually was a group of movies that came out at that Dragon
2: time Dragon
1: Slayer. Yeah, that mm-hmm. did action adventure, fantasy action adventure fairly well, considering we were not in a CGI time. We were in the original yes. Clash of the Titans time, friends. Like if yep. you go back and watch that movie, that tells you what happened. Harry what Hamlet that CGI was like. <laughs> Even like the dark crystal and stuff like that that oh came my out that God. time. It was
0: dark crystal.
1: You know, supposed to be a kids' movie, but the fucking Skexies were terrifying. They were, yeah.
0: <laughs> like yeah, my mom took me to SC see stuff.
1: that movie, and they had a um an exhibit of like the land striders. This whole thing was mm. in Hollywood. And it was, uh, I was fucking terrified though, because you walk in a room and then people dressed as the Skeksis. Don't do that. Like I'm a candidate. I'm like, I'm like, I had nightmares about Skeksis. Let me just say, I watched The Exorcist and didn't have the level of nightmares I had about the, "Mm, hmm, Like that was it for me. (laughs) Yeah. I
2: I had nightmares about stacks. So lost, those fucking guys with the the eyeballs and here's here's one i have a real bad like irrational fear of eye things and so like goonies i've to this day i don't watch goonies my wife tells me that all the kids remind her of what she thought i would have been like as like a 10 year old kid and it's probably right i can't watch it because of the sloth thing with the eyeball i can't do it i just can't physically fucking do it as much as i want to and i know i'll love the movie it's, it's, I, it's I, just, anything with eyeballs i i i, I can't, do can't do it scanners the guy's eyeball pops out of his head i, I someone told me that and i refused to watch the nope, movie done. done yeah i can't,
1: no, can't. i you i i, I feel to. you on that one agra probably doesn't do too well for you then either
2: i don't know what that is Agra's agra? from
1: the dark crystal she pops her fucking yeah. eyeball
2: out. Uh, see i didn't i didn't i i
1: hate to mm. this. i didn't
2: watch the dark crystal it looked like too much of a oh. puppet movie for me
1: it was oh, not a Muppet a movie, and oh if you are not <laughs> so afraid great. of the eye thing, I would say watch The Dark Crystal, but don't yeah. watch Even the just the Dark story. story. Yeah. The storytelling's amazing. Yeah. Okay.
2: I'll give, so, I'll give it a run.
1: Well, yeah. when Agra comes on, and you'll know her, because they call her Agra, yeah. maybe just yeah. listen for that whole part, because she's only got a part of it, but it's definitely an eyeball thing, so just be prepared. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, JV seamless self promotion time tell people where to find you in your books.
2: Yeah, so I'm really easy to find. I mean, jvhilliard.com will take you to my website where you can, you know, buy the books or check me out and and um, you know, join the, the newsletter and email list uh, on social media. Um, if you look for me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, it's all at jvhilliardbooks.com. Uh, Facebook is jvhilliardauthor. Um, And so you can find me there. The books are available pretty ubiquitously. You can find them uh, on Amazon. You can go to my publisher at Dragon Moon Press uh, and buy them. You can find audiobooks on Audible and other places that have, um, you know, audiobooks available to you as well as the traditional places like uh, Barnes and Noble and uh, Apple Books and, and places like that.
1: Very, very cool. Well, you have been tons of fun to have on the show. I appreciate it. Was
2: my pleasure. This is a very unique format, and I was more than happy to join in and in, in embracing it fully.
1: I appreciate that. We always do. Oh, so, my pleasure. Guys, this has been Drinking With Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Our sponsors today have been Skunk Brothers Spirits and Coffee Shop of Horrors. Check them both out. My amazing co-host has been the always wonderful Danielle Orsino.
0: Don't forget to like and subscribe, leave us some drunk feedback, we love
1: that. Yes, we absolutely do, especially if you're double fisting along with me, don't drive. And we will see you guys next time.
0: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon, or by shopping for the Tea Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.